There are several stories about the origins of the world in the Hebrew Scriptures or Old Testament, but none of them are as full and as distinctive as the two with which the book of Genesis opens. The opening words. When God began to create the sky and the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the depths, and a wind from God swept over the waters. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, so he separated it from darkness. God called the light day, and he called the dark night. Evening came, and morning came, one day. Five more days of creation follow. On the second day, an expanse is put in place to separate the waters above from the waters below, the sky from the earth. Day three, dry land is formed with vegetation and the waters become seas. Day four, sun, moon and stars are made, determining night, day and seasons. Day five, reptiles, birds, sea monsters, fishes and land animals are brought forth and blessed. Day six, man and woman are created together in the image of God. They are to be vegetarians and God blesses them with the power and responsibility to rule over what he has created. At each stage, God pronounces what he has made good. He then surveys the whole and declares it very good. The seventh day is the Sabbath. Quote again, The sky and the earth, with all their array, were complete. By the seventh day, God finished his work, so he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because on it he rested from all the work God had created and done. Now, this powerful story, perhaps originally a New Year liturgy, has several remarkable features. The world created by God is entirely good. There's no trace here of the notion of spiritual and material realms which are opposed to one another as good and evil. There are no rival powers to God, no demiurges or demons. The world is balanced and orderly, each species of plant and animal perfect for the niche it occupies and to reproduce according to its kind. Man and woman are created equal, made in the likeness of God. They are to govern his world as he himself might. And finally, all humanity is one family, descended from one pair of parents. Now, this narrative is an ideal, not a description of the actual mess in which the world usually finds itself. So it has to be balanced by a second narrative, 
in the second and third chapters of Genesis. Here, Adam appears alone, and Eve is created from his own flesh and bone, a device that explains perhaps why the marriage bond is even stronger than that which binds parents and children. A snake tries to persuade Eve that God only forbade eating fruit of the tree because if they ate it, uh, they would become godlike. She sees that the fruit is attractive, eats some, gives some to Adam who eats it too. The snake, Eve, and Adam are all called to account and punished. Eve and Adam are banished from the garden. Eve must give birth henceforth in pain and be dominated by Adam, who will toil to cultivate a reluctant soil. Even so, in this story, there is no demonic power, no Satan or devil who actually challenges God. God remains supreme, and the snake, Eve, and Adam are individually held responsible for having chosen freely to disobey. The two stories that I've described became the common heritage of Christianity and later Judaism. I'll have to leave it to Professor McGrath, if he wishes, to explain how and why some Christians began to read the stories in terms of a cosmic fall brought about by the devil and from which Jesus alone can redeem people. That is certainly not in the plain text of Genesis or to be found in Judaism. The rabbis who defined Judaism in the same period that the early church fathers were defining Christianity saw Adam and Eve rather as the prototype of sinners, not the progenitors of sin, and held that when they subsequently repented, they were forgiven. Many of their descendants, of course, also sinned, but of their own free will and on their own responsibility. They too were punished, and if they repented, they were forgiven. At Mount Sinai, God revealed the Torah to Israel to guide them away from sin, and sacrifices made at the temple in Jerusalem helped to effect reconciliation between the penitent sinner and God. Now, the first Genesis narrative establishes God as creator. Jewish tradition notes the use of two different divine names, one standing for justice, the other for mercy. Had God created the world in strict justice, it could not survive. He therefore blended justice with mercy. In the Middle Ages, Jewish philosophers of religion vigorously upheld the notion of creation out of nothing. Contrary to what they believed was the Aristotelian doctrine of the eternity of the universe. But there were some who held that the essential teaching of Genesis was not about God creating something out of nothing at a certain point in time, but rather that all existence depended totally on God even if co-eternal with him. Echoes of this medieval debate are heard even today among modern Jewish theologians who attempt to reconcile Genesis with the findings of science that the world is considerably older 
than the 6,000 or so years that the literal reading of the Bible suggests. The medieval Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, followed a different path. Partly under the influence of Christianity, it developed the notion of a cosmic flaw in creation resulting in sin. Redemption was through obedience to Torah and the process of cosmic redemption would be completed under the guidance of a Messiah who is yet to come. For me, and for many Jews today who cannot accept the literal sense, the Genesis narratives remain as a powerful testimony to the idea that creation is essentially good, but human nature frail. So far as the earth, one tiny part of creation, is concerned, we are its stewards, responsible for understanding and safeguarding its creatures and its resources. Genesis in this way underpins our concern for the environment and encourages us to strive for the restoration of the state of perfection set out in the opening chapter. Thank you.